after one year, uh, I walked into my to my manager at the coffee shop and and I gave my two weeks and it was a terrifying moment because I felt like I was jumping off a cliff because I would have no other source of income other than music and and piano work. But that was that was seven years ago and I haven't looked back. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 43 of the Balance Room Music Podcast. I am your host, musician and producer Ingrid Wood, W-O-O-D-E. This podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Spreaker for you to subscribe to. That way, you don't have to wonder when there's a new episode coming out, but as long as you are subscribed to any of those apps or platforms that I just named, you'll get just one notification letting you know there's something new for you to listen to whenever I upload a new episode inside of the Balance Room. To my new and returning listeners, welcome. Welcome back. I always appreciate you all for hitting play. This is a podcast. It's not just for music lovers and musicians. This is a podcast for creative people who already are, who have a desire to make a living from the creative side. I always feel like it doesn't matter what field you are in. You could be a musician. You could be a barber. It doesn't matter if you want to and are able to make a living to create commerce from something that you love or like to do. It takes a whole lot of creativity to be able to do that on all levels. So I share parts of my journey on the podcast and I also bring in guests and have conversations with them about their journey and I share it with you all via the podcast. So speaking of bringing new guests into the balance room, I am bringing a new guest into the balance room for this episode by the name of Guy Russo. I'm going to let Guy introduce himself real quick. My name is Guy Russo. Uh, I live in Pittsburgh, PA, and I'm a musician and a piano technician. Everything I do is music related. Most of my bread and butter of my income is tuning and servicing pianos. I go to people's homes, churches, schools, wherever there's a piano, you might find me there. I tune them, I repair them, I rebuild them, I regulate them, I service them in all sorts of ways. And I kind of live in that piano world, but I also am a singer and a songwriter and an arranger. I work with a lot of local musicians in various capacities. Even though I service pianos, guitar is really my home base instrument. I play a lot of piano, but guitar is kind of where I feel the most at home. If you live in or near the Pittsburgh area and you are looking for a piano technician, I'm saying make sure you you reach out to Guy. You can find him uh, at his website, all his contact information. Just go to GuyARusso.com. That's G-U-Y-A-R-U-S-S-O.com, GuyARusso.com. All his contact information will be there, piano technician-wise, musician-wise. And, of course, I'm going to put his information in the podcast description, link all that up. And if you have no idea how to access the, the uh, podcast description within your app, that's okay. Don't worry. You can always just go to the website, balanceroom.com. Look for the respective episode. In this case, episode 43. And you will find any and all information that I talk about within this episode there. Okay, so I found out about Guy about four years ago, 2013. And I found out about him because... My One of my older sister's friends asked me for a referral for a piano tuner. And so, you know, when I did that, I started, I was just, let me look up this field of piano tuning, only to realize that it was more than just tuning, you know, it's piano technician field. And I ended up finding a uh, a local 
piano technician and rebuilder in Cincinnati by the name of Nevin Essex. And he was willing to to show me some things and kind of open me up to that world. And whenever I get interested in something, like I dive in, like I look for articles, I look for videos, interviews, (laughs) any and everything. And so along this path of discovery, I found out about Guy and, um, and I found out that he wasn't just a piano technician, that he was also a musician. And so I was just, you know, following Guy off and on, uh, for these past few years. Now I love the piano technician field. I love how it involves math and science and the musicality of things. I love that it's a field where there's more pianos than technicians. So there's a need for more technicians, but at the same time, it's not a field for any and everybody. There's certain things that you have to be able to hear. You have to have a certain level of patience. I think you have to have a love for putting a puzzles together um, because the piano is like, it's a huge puzzle. And while there is like the math and science aspect to it, there, like I said, the musicality, there, there is a subjectivity to that area as well. And the other thing that I love about it is that it promotes entrepreneurship. There's a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners within this field. All right, back to Guy. (laughs) So I had a great conversation with Guy. Um, Great energy. I was pleasantly surprised. Like I had no idea. I wasn't expecting to hear him say that he liked artists like Kendrick Lamar and Stephen Thundercat Bruner or, you know, Ama Jamal, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, but without further ado, let's go ahead and step into the balance room. There's a commercial that was airing for a while last year. It was, I think it aired for the first time during the Grammys and, um, it was in movie theaters as well. I saw it a couple of times before, but there's, there's uh, two pianos. It's, it's a commercial for Android and there's someone playing a Beethoven sonata on a regular piano, just really virtuosic, amazing pianist. And then he turns around and plays this other piano behind him. And that piano is just all middle C's, all one note. A lot of people would see that commercial and have no idea what, what went into that. Um, I, I basically, I got a call a year and a half ago from a Pittsburgh agency that specializes in building all sorts of things, technology and engineering design for big clients like Google and Netflix and um, Apple. And they're, they're just basically a, a house of smart people that figure out how to make things. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I got this call from them. They said, we have this project. We need a piano technician. We want to tune a piano to all middle C's. And I had no idea who they were. I, I, hadn't, I had never heard of the agency, and they didn't say who the client was or anything. And I'm thinking, okay, this is some sort of art project. And my initial reaction was to kind of give them the brush off because people, at the, more, the more deep into the piano technology field I get, the more I find the difference between the experts and the novices in terms of their understanding of how a piano works. A, a piano's shaped so that the strings at the top are very, very short, and they're only, they can only play a very high notes, and the strings at the bottom are very, very long. And basically, if you took a regular piano and tried to tune it to all middle Cs, it's just absolutely impossible. You couldn't even, couldn't even get close. And so I'm thinking, I'm just going to explain this, and that'll be the end of that, and they'll forget about the project. And then they say, well, what if we reconstructed the piano to make all the strings the same length? And I said, well, you can't do that because the plate, the, the cast iron plate, the most hardy, heavy 
component of the piano that's that's poured in a foundry is built to accommodate the stringing scale that that already exists so it, it can't be done and they said well we could build our own plate and then i said all right well i'm listening <laughs> as the conversation progressed it became clear to me that they had a lot more resources available to them than I would have expected. They had 3D imaging and CNC machines, and they, they measured all of the string trajectories with a robotic arm. They, ha they had just technology beyond my, my scope of understanding, but what they didn't have was someone who knew how to string and tune a piano. So for the, for the next few weeks, they were just calling me almost every day and consulting. I was just a consultant at first, asking me all sorts of questions about how a piano works while they're figuring out the design. I didn't have to design it myself. I'm not sure if I could have because they really needed those incredibly cutting-edge tools that they have at their shop. They brought me in to, to put the strings on and to tune it and get it working, which took uh, about a week of 10 to 12-hour days. I never would have thought that piano tuning would take me to Hollywood, but they flew us and the piano out to Hollywood for the for the commercial shoot. It was it was such a whirlwind, whirlwind experience to be on set at this this fancy studio tuning a piano to all one note. What I what I took away from that is don't say no for the wrong reasons. My my initial reaction was to to turn them down because I thought this is too much. I can't do it. It can't be done. And I'm I'm glad that I listened to that little voice in my in my head that said be open to it like let's see where it goes you can always walk away if you have to it ended up being such an incredibly positive experience i learned so much it was a, a great business for me and i'll never forget it so song a few years ago called Part of It All. It's a real Pittsburgh song. It's, it's truly inspired by the history of Pittsburgh and the inspiration of the song came. I was hanging out with a buddy right along the Allegheny River in a neighborhood called Lawrenceville. It's very close to downtown. You can see the skyline from, from there and we're just being river rats up to no good, just hanging out and doing whatever. And um, the wall, the shoreline where we were hanging out was this big concrete, industrial concrete wall. The further you get away from the water, the more solid and, and concrete and man-made it appeared. But as you approach the water, and the, the, the water level was pretty low, there was no clear line between where the wall ended and the earth began. And what I realized is they, they must have used that that wall back so a little backstory pittsburgh uh most people know you know the pittsburgh steelers got their name from the steel industry and that's what pittsburgh was it's all about up until the 80s it was a city that manufactured steel and that's that's what the whole the whole city was built around that and growing up in pittsburgh we always heard stories from our, our grandparents and relatives about how back in the in the 30s and before, you never even saw the sun in Pittsburgh. The pollution was so bad, it was just soot and ash in the air. People's curtains were black after a month. It was just perpetual dust in Pittsburgh. The first line of the song, it, it, my, my grandfather worked in a steel mill and he, he was almost deaf later in his life. He lost a lot of his hearing from the, the noise 
And the first line in the song is, our grandfathers lost their hearing under perma-gray skies of their own making. And so I'm telling this a little bit out of order, but the shoreline was being reclaimed by the river. And you could see that happening right before your eyes, where the wall that we were standing on was this solid man-made wall. But if you take a few steps forward, suddenly you can't tell, is this is this a natural shoreline? Is this stone? It's like sand and stone and, and dirt mixed with the cement. There's this transition area where you, you can't tell what's man-made and what's natural. It made it so clear in that moment that everything is everything. Man-made, not man-made, it's all going back to the same place. The, the concept of dust to dust has always resonated so much with me. And just like our bodies and just like, just like our cities, and everything that exists as we see it is all going back from where it came. It's all dissolving and reforming. And that's what that song is about. So my go-to gadget is an, actually a piano. I got this piano. It, it's a Steinway 1923 Steinway O, 5'10 Steinway Grand, that a couple of years ago, I got a phone call from a family in Pittsburgh who they were downsizing and they've had, they had had this piano for their whole lives and it had been passed down from the, in their family. And they didn't know what to do with it because they weren't going to have room for it. It was this beautiful instrument that was just in absolutely terrible, terrible shape. It sounded terrible. It couldn't be tuned, covered in black soot because they had had a coal fire furnace, coal furnace in the house through, all throughout the 30s and 40s and there was missing strings and the felt was moth-eaten and everything basically was wrong with it but the soundboard was in good shape it was dirty but it was it wasn't cracked or anything it was and, and it, this is pre-world war ii spruce you can't even get wood like that now and so i just looked at it and my eyes were like dinner plates and and i said to them this piano needs a lot of work but you have yourself a really beautiful instrument and it has incredible potential they decided they wanted me to rebuild it and the plan was for us to sell it after i was done and split the split what we what we got for it so i spent a year I didn't have a workshop at the time. Um, my mentor let me use his workshop, but I wasn't able to bring the whole piano in, only parts of it. So I actually did the bulk of the work, just my wife and my my wife's in my apartment in our living room. God bless her for putting up with that. And I, I spent about 300 hours restoring the piano, restringing it, new all new hammers, new action parts, refinished the soundboard. I mean, everything, everything from, from top to bottom. And once they saw all the work and care I had put into it and heard it played for the first time in many years, I mean, it hadn't sounded decent in probably over 50 years. They decided that rather than taking it on the market and getting as much as we possibly could for it, they had such sentimental appreciation for the piano that they wanted it to go to someone that, that would appreciate it. So they gave it to me for a tiny fraction of what they could have gotten, which was incredibly generous and such a blessing for, for me and my family because now we have this beautiful Steinway Grand, which we never would have been able to afford. And I have this personal connection with it because I've I've been all over every square millimeter of this this instrument. And now I just all I want to do is sit and play it. It's just it's it's such a joy.
Okay, we're about to get into the Ask EC segment. If you have a business music question or anything in between, you can email those questions to Eric at the balance room.com E R I C at the balance room.com. And of course you can always ask those questions on any of the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can find us, uh, just look up the balance room music podcast and we should pop up. And if you want uh, to remain anonymous, no worries. Just let us know. What's up, Balanced Room? This is EC. Shout out to Ingrid Wood. What's good? Question number five. Quote, what artists or projects have you been listening to as of late? Unquote. Hmm. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to just flip through and get to my playlist real quick. And the recently added. So there's a dude, Ryan Leslie, who's, who's dope. Um, I don't know much about him. I don't know much about a lot of these artists, but um, I just kind of hear things on Pandora. And if it hits me, um, I read to see who it is. So Gino Young is cool. Dave Valentine. And I'm all over the place. I'm in no certain genre. Um, uh, and, I, and, I, and I keep pulling up old music, too. So I go back to the 80s a lot as well. But um, in 90s music, because it was a different field. It, a lot of stuff just felt better and it wasn't always so negative. So I, I listen, whatever's quality, there's only two types of music out there. There's good and there's bad um, quality. So I can hear if we're under the genre of like Indian music, I, I can hear that Bollywood. Um, you can tell what's good quality of whatever the genre is. So and I don't even like the word genre um, because good music is just good music. It's just at the end of the day, it just should be quality, you know, so. Um, if that makes any sense. So I hope that helps somebody out. Peace seeks them out. Peace seeks them out. I was always a musician like you. I grew up playing music. I also played violin and piano and my dad's a music teacher and I sang and I picked up a guitar when I was 13 and that's when my love for music kind of went into turbo mode and it became more my identity and I went to, I majored in music composition at Carnegie Mellon. Still knew absolutely nothing about piano tuning. Had no idea what was involved. Had never seen the inside of a piano but i found that i liked working with my hands i used to help out a contractor uh, working on renovating homes and i realized that that kind of like manual work really suits me meanwhile i'm pursuing music studying at cmu and i was approaching graduation i wasn't feeling a strong connection to the, the institutional music world i didn't feel like it was worth the expense and the time and the commitment to be applying to grad schools to try to get a higher degree in music composition. It didn't feel like it was connecting enough with me. And meanwhile, I was also getting a degree in linguistics at CMU. It was kind of a dual degree program. And it was the same thing with that. I had superficial interests and I was doing well, but it wasn't speaking to me. And uh, the summer before my senior year of college, so I would have been 20 or so, I met the piano technician for the School of Music. His name is Peter Stumpf, and he's also the Pittsburgh Symphony's tuner and technician. And I shot him an email uh, and asked him if he would get coffee with me. We met, he agreed to it, and we met, and 
it was just like instant connection, instant friendship. He described what his life is like and what his career is like and what the skills that are required are. So I, I've always been a harmonizer, a singer, and my my biggest skill in music is finding harmonies and tuning them. And whenever I work with other musicians, usually I'm in the role of, of teaching people harmonies and working that out. That's that ear. The musical ear is my is my greatest strength, and it always has been. And what he's describing is an independent career where you're your own boss, you lean heavily on your musical ear, and you work with your hands. And I didn't realize what a solid living you could make doing it. I, I had never really thought about it. He kind of gave me an idea of of the sort of living you can make. And I I feel like in that first five-minute meeting over coffee, I made the decision before I even touched the piano that this is what I was going to do. And then I took I just took it as an independent study just for a couple credits, nothing big for that senior year. But it was really what I spent all my time. I went so far above and beyond the curriculum because I, I realized this is what I need to be spending my time and energy learning how to do. I, I learned pretty quickly and within within about eight, months or so I was doing my first tunings professionally and that was that was almost eight years ago now okay so how did you you know once you, you're learning the skill you're kind of getting comfortable a little bit not even necessarily comfortable but um I'll say this you know sometimes it's one thing when, when you're just doing something and you know but it's another when you have somebody pay you to do it and you kind of feel like uh you yeah. know oh so yeah how did, <laughs> so how did you what was that that transition period of you know okay I feel comfortable enough to have to to be like okay I can have people pay me to do this to actually like building like a sustainable business where you feel like okay this is actually a business now I I feel like I never would have gotten there if it hadn't been for Peter he we had there's all these practice rooms at CMU which is such a great it's like a laboratory you can. He, he was so open with, he would say, go experiment, try different things, go for it. We can fix anything that, anything you break, we can fix. He was very giving, like, he never was worried about his students damaging the pianos or anything because he has such confidence in his own skills. He knows that anything that happens can be undone. So I, I had ample opportunity to, to practice and practice and practice. He was checking in with me all along the way. I, I still remember the first time I finished a tuning and he played through it and checked every note, every octave, every unison, and he said, this is a sellable tuning. You, you're ready to you're ready to start charging. I, I needed to hear an expert say that. I don't know. I, it's, it's hard for a novice to know when they are mm -hmm. at that level. I didn't have the confidence yet, but I had I had that in my back pocket, that the most respected piano tech in my city told me that I'm doing syllable tuning. I have that to lean on. So I started just doing them mostly for friends for kind of like a discount rate at first because they knew that I was still learning. I, I think any business is like that. At, at first, you sort of have to gain, gain their trust before you can really start to charge a competitive rate. So I graduated, and I was still kind of looking for a job because you have to build up your customer base. You can't just go out in the world unless unless you get hired by an institution of some kind, which all of the all the institutions in my city were already already had someone employed. So I worked at a coffee shop for the first year after college and that year I was just hustling. I would go I would actually go from church to church, from school to school. I'd call call schools and I'd actually go in person to churches and just walk in and introduce myself. 
and just try to show them I'm friendly and I can I'm personable. One thing one thing I think that sets me apart from a lot of the stereotypical piano technician and of course mm-hmm. like anything else there's there's a wide wide variety of people mm-hmm. but we t- we tend to be socially awkward, introverted, maybe eccentric and yeah. I know a lot of technicians are they struggle a little bit with the the people side of of the business, the interface, the customer interface and not that I don't have my quirks and I am somewhat of an introvert, but I'm p- pretty good at talking to people and uh, I think that I make people comfortable, especially in person. Mm-hmm. And so I found that using that as an asset really helped me get a lot of business early on. I got a couple of piano teachers, a couple of well-attended churches, and that's where th- those seeds were planted, especially the teachers because they have so many students and and I, if I do good work and it's a positive experience and I'm I'm respectful and courteous, the name my name just was continuing to kind of spread. After one year, uh, I walked into my to my manager at the coffee shop and and I gave my two weeks and it was a terrifying moment because I felt like I was jumping off a cliff because <laughs> yeah. I would have no other source of income other than music and and piano work. But that was that was seven years ago and I haven't looked back. So when I listen to your music, I I would describe it as a listener. I would describe your style kind of like if it's like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, James Taylor, and the Beatles all came together to like make one sound. <laughs> I'll take that. That's that's kind of uh, yeah. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's me as a listener, but you as a creator of the music, how would you describe your your sound? Oh man, it's hard to hard to beat that description. Um, I definitely draw influence from all of those those artists you just mentioned. I was in a band called Broken Fences for about three years, and mm-hmm. that band broke up about three years ago. So that kind of sets that timeline. And that that was a very um, like folky acoustic singer songwriter. It was it was me and this gal who. We just harmonized, and our songs were very dark and dreamy, kind of like um, Kings of Convenience or Simon and Garfunkel. Someone called us Simon and Girlfunkel once. That was, uh, I think, a pretty accurate description. That kind of style of songwriting definitely stuck with me for a while. I mean, it's still it's still kind of where I come from. I love the acoustic, softer um I love performing that. I listen to all kinds of music, but where I feel like I excel is in making music that's beautiful is what I strive for rather than necessarily exciting. <laughs> and that was really where my focus was for, for those few years. Since that band has dissolved, it definitely, my songwriting in the first couple of years after that band was very, very similar to what I was writing in the band. But lately, I've been branching out somewhat Last year, that that Kendrick Lamar album, To Pimp a Butterfly, has really kind of changed my direction a little bit. I, I've it got me so much more. I've always loved classic jazz, um, mm-hmm. like Oscar Peterson, Earl Garner, Miles Davis kind of stuff. That's always been with me. Um, that album, the music on it, especially like the the Thundercat stuff and um, just the the jazz influence kind of turned me on to a lot of contemporary jazz and hip-hop and R&B that I was ignoring for, 
for too long. The past few months, I've been feeling really inspired by by a lot of that new stuff I've been listening to, and um, I'm trying to bring that influence into my music a little bit. And it happens that I'm in the studio recording my my first solo album right now. That'll be coming out sometime at the end of this year. It's already influencing my choices I'm making in the studio. The songs are already written, but you know, a song is just a song and it leaves you some room to work with. So I think that people can expect kind of a hybrid between the Broken Fences folky style and a little bit more of a kind of jazzy flavor um, moving forward. All right, so I'm about to get into my Tear of the Week segment. For my new listeners, Tear of the Week is something that balances me out, gives me peace. When you tear a balance, T-A-R-E, you're just setting the balance, calibrating it back to zero. So I want to do something different for episode 43. I want to know what is your Tear of the Week. You know, I don't care if it's a restaurant, if it's a movie that you always watch to kind of switch your mood up, if it's an activity that you like to do, keep it uh, PG-13. Um, whatever, whatever it is, what is your tear of your week? I want to know. So record a voice note on your cell phone, or if you have recording equipment, whatever, but record a voice note on your cell phone. Let me know your name, where you're from, and what's your tear of the week. And you can email that to me. Just email it to Ingrid at thebalanceroom.com. Ingrid, I-N-G-R-I-D at thebalanceroom.com. Um, I'm interested in those. Now, of course, you know, you can always tell me via social media or if you want to type it up and email it to me. That's cool, too. I prefer you to send an audio clip. Um, yeah, that's what I prefer. But either or, whichever you're most comfortable with. But I want to know, what is your tear of the week? One more favor to ask. It doesn't matter if you are a new listener, if this is your first time, or if you are an avid balance roomer. If you like this episode, if you found something of value in here, I encourage you hit that share button within your app. It doesn't cost you a thing. What I don't want this podcast to become is your best kept secret. So in order to ensure that that doesn't happen, every now and then I ask you to please share the podcast. It doesn't matter if it's, if you share it with one person or if you post it on all your social media sites. Um, you can even take a screenshot, put it on Instagram, tag me at the balance room, whatever you feel comfortable with. But I encourage you to, to, to share this podcast because I feel like there's a lot of people out there who uh, they don't, they're not living their dreams. They're not doing what they want to do because they don't know where to get started or they feel like they're alone. And what I've gathered from my journey thus far, and what I've gathered from the guests that I've brought into the balance room is that everybody starts at ground zero. You use what you have at your fingertips and your pockets, whatever you got at the moment, you use that, you start and you let it grow from there. So again, I encourage you share this podcast if you enjoy it. Mr. Guy Russo, I'm so grateful that you accepted my invitation into the balance room. Again, if you live in or near the Pittsburgh area, don't hesitate to reach out to Guy and contact him for your piano technician needs. Um, and, he, and remember, he's also a musician, but you can find him, all his contact information at GuyARusso.com. Again, that's G-U-Y-A-R-U-S-S-O, GuyARusso.com. I'm going to have all this information in the podcast as well as on the website, thebalanceroom.com. If you go to the balance room, feel free to sign up for the newsletter. I do not bombard you with a bunch of emails. It should be a pop-up that comes up when you get there. Um, You just put your name and your email in, and that's it. Until next episode, this is your host, Ingrid Wood. Even when I'm gone, my voice will still be here. I want you to make sure that yours is as well. Take care, God bless, and stay balanced.
This is Guy Russo, and you are listening to the Balance Room Music Podcast. 